0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Building PA podcast. My name is Chris Martin, and I'm one of the co-hosts of the podcast. Today, we want to take a moment to recognize and highlight Suicide Prevention Week, which runs September 4th through September 11th, 2022. Now more than ever, there's a much-needed spotlight shining on mental health and wellness in the construction industry. So I'd like to share some statistics that can't be ignored. According to the CDC, construction has among the highest suicide rate of any industry, with 53.2 suicides per every 100,000 workers. This puts the construction industry with deaths by suicide five times higher than all construction deaths combined. Suicide is also the fourth leading cause of death among Caucasian males aged 35 to 44. And we know that that makes up the bulk of the construction industry. And construction workers are also two and a half times more likely to die by suicide than homicide. These are some staggering statistics and just one of the reasons why the Building PA podcast will be speaking with industry experts to talk about mental health and wellness and suicide prevention during the month of September and beyond. And in the coming weeks, you'll hear from guests like Mandy Kime, Safety Director for AGC Washington State, Mark St. Cyr with Club Serenity, who openly shares his personal story of overcoming addiction and how he is giving back to the construction industry, and Rich Jones with U-Turn Health who shares tools and assessments for anyone at any level in construction. The Building PA podcast will continue to provide resources and experts to help heighten awareness and work together to support those in the industry. If you need help or know someone that is in need of help, use the national 988 hotline to get immediate support. Please share that number, 988, with your crew, employees, and friends. Take care of yourself and look out for the people around you. Thank you for listening to the Building PA Podcast. Welcome to the Building PA Podcast, the voice of the construction industry throughout Pennsylvania. Here are your co-hosts, Chris Martin and John O'Brien.
1: Hello and welcome to the Building PA Podcast. I'm your co-host, John O'Brien from the Keystone Contractors Association Coming to you from the Kwando Studio in Central Pennsylvania, joined as always by fellow co-host and all-around great guy, Chris Martin. Chris, what's going oh, on? All-around oh, stop. great guy. Oh, stop! Please, <laughs> get it now. Because when I get home, I don't get that. But, uh,
0: <laughs> hey, everybody, this is Chris Martin, and I am with Atlas Marketing, and we are in Western Pennsylvania today. At least I am right now. We do have an office in Central PA, very close to the Quandel Construction Studios. But Atlas Marketing, we tell stories for people who build things. And what, John, what's our topic today?
1: We got some good stuff for you today. Today's going to be amazing. Today's just going to be flat out awesome. So I hope you're buckled up and ready for this ride here because I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Chris, as you know, KCA wanted to do our small part when it comes to mental health and wellness, and we wanted to do something. We know that we know. We know the help's needed and employers and employer groups need to do their part in the process and we entered this year knowing we wanted to do something and we weren't quite sure and we're trying stuff out but in the meantime you know we're so fortunate and lucky to have industry experts like like mandy kime who's with us today here mandy kime from uh, agc of washington is going to talk about mental health and wellness and uh we're excited to have you this is going to be awesome But before you jump in and say hello, yes, I just, I just today, you know, I saw these two stats I just wanted to throw out here. According to surveys, 71% of employees feel that their employers care more about their mental health now than before the pandemic. I think it should be higher, but at least we're getting there, you know, so that's good. And then another one here, which I saw just a half hour ago, I got an email, eight out of 10 workers use an employer's mental health resources as a factor for a new job. So that's awesome that we're getting to this point wow. here and and but I've not heard that one. Yeah, that was uh today's International Foundation email. They talked about that, so. But I'm just a mumbling bumbling stumbling Irish guy from Central <laughs> PA. The true industry expert is here. So let's hear from Mandy. All right, Mandy, what's going Good. on today? <laughs>
2: Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. Great statistics. And I gotta say, I think that, um, you know, in my observation, one of the things that we have to our advantage, we can't say that the pandemic has done much for us, but in one way, one one advantage we've gotten out of this is that it's become a great equalizer and it's allowed us to start talking about mental health and acknowledging mental health as an issue, not just at home, but also its impacts in the workplace and to start normalizing those conversations in the workplace and and encouraging folks to take better care of themselves. So while I'm not thankful overall for a pandemic, I am thankful for at least that. Um, it has helped us uh, because we can all acknowledge at some point we've not been okay during this ride, and and that's okay. And and we're starting to figure out that hey, it's okay to say that I'm not okay, and I'm not gonna get you know shamed off the job for for having said so. So that's good.
1: And I'm not using the word industry expert lightly, but but just so our audience understands and gets to know you more than just than just me hyping you up. Like like who is Mandy? Can you talk about your journey to how you got here?
2: Who is Mandy? Well, I'll start with the most important piece. I frequently refer to myself as an unstoppable mom of triplets plus one. And I think that that's important because when I talk about mental health, when I talk about wellness and those kinds of things, it's important to acknowledge who we are outside of work, uh, our accomplishments outside of work. And generally speaking, I'm pretty sure that um, being a mom of four kiddos helps me do better in the workplace and it helps me relate to humans in the workplace better. So that's job number one, most important job. Uh, Outside of that, I am the Director of Safety Services for AGC of Washington, as in Washington State, based out of Seattle, uh, not uh, Washington, D.C. So I'm all the way across the country from y'all. And uh, in my role and capacity as the director of safety for AGC for the last 15 years, I focus on regulatory compliance, member uh, safety and health issues. And a number of years ago, the incomparable Cal buyer introduced me to the statistics on suicide for construction. And I have since made it my mission to be a part of Cal's army in interrupting the suicide statistics and and helping save lives. And uh, so to that end, I think that we can't call ourselves self-safety and health professionals. For those of us in this line of work, we can't call ourselves safety and health professionals if we're not willing to have these uncomfortable conversations, if we're not willing to engage. So I had the unique opportunity to pursue my master's degree a couple years ago. I actually finished that master's degree. And yeah, that. Congratulations. <laughs> Woo, check, that, check that off the list. Yes. <laughs> um, so, so I completed that master's degree program last summer and published, I, in order to achieve that degree, I had to do a research uh, thesis project and publish a project deliverable. And so I dedicated mine to mental health and suicide prevention for the construction industry, wrote a 50 page thesis knowing full well that no one's going to read 50 pages. So I boiled that down into a best practices guide for the construction industry on how to broach the subject of mental health and suicide prevention and have left that unbranded and open source as my gift to the industry, because it's that important. We need to talk about it. We need to make it easy to talk about it. We need to get comfortable being uncomfortable and in these kinds of conversations. And the only way we do that is if we put resources in folks' hands and empower them to have those conversations. So um, just recently, since the publication of my best practices guide, I've been doing a lot of public speaking and things. However, uh, another thing that I have done in in collaboration with AGC of America is form a mental health and suicide prevention task force nationally. Uh, And we have folks from chapters of AGC, from members of AGC, and also industry partners all gathered together to just create a consortium of free resources, just everything that we can find out there that's free and open source and then just start using our advocacy and peer pressure muscles to really push people into having these conversations and impress upon them the why behind uh, the need for these conversations So so
0: Mandy with all of all of that you know and and the family and doing all of these things help our help our listeners understand like how can we as an industry you know kind of going back to your best practices how can we help to break down those barriers? What what are like the what's the first step here, or, or second, third, fourth, and fifth?
2: You know. So I, I would refer folks to the best practices guide and you all are welcome to share that with whoever. And I'll, I'll make sure that that's accessible. It's open on the web anyway, but, but I will tell people in talking about this best practices guide that it's not linear. It's not linear because what you do at your company and what they do at their company are, are different. And the cultures within your organizations are different. And so what I encourage people to do is look through a best, the best practices guide or look through resources that are available and see what resonates with the existing culture that you have. Some some folks are really active and engaged in, engaged in the AGC uh, culture care program, and that fits nicely with how how they're doing things. Some folks have a really robust safety and health group and and they're already talking about this. So find ways to weave it into your existing conversations about mental health or about, you know, safety and health and about, you know, worker well-being. So to me that's job number 1. Job number 2 is really evaluate what resources you have presently do you have an employee assistance program do you have training available do you have you know health insurance provisions that allow you a certain number of mental health visits a year and then furthermore what are you doing to encourage people to use those have you encouraged your employees to take a mental health assessment you know we can't really fix what we don't know so if you haven't taken a mental health assessment you probably don't know if You know, you might have a hot button or, you know, a zone that needs some working on. And so by being bold leaders and taking a mental health assessment for ourselves and being able to say without revealing, Hey, I took this assessment and it turns out I have depression, or I took this assessment and it turns out I have anxiety. You can literally just say, Hey, I took a mental health assessment. I learned something about myself and I'm taking action to work on that. And I really encourage you to do that as well. If we hear that from peers in the industry, people we look up to in the industry, because frankly, especially in construction, we spend more time with our coworkers and our team on the job than we do with our families oftentimes. So if we're hearing that from trusted peers and trusted professionals in the industry, we're more apt to engage with it. Especially if we know that it's a tool like mantherapy.org or some of the others where it's connected to our industry. It's in our industry vernacular. It's less off-putting than picking up the phone and calling a therapist and asking them to give us you know, an evaluation. And, and there's multiple tools online where you can do these evaluations in the comfort of your own home or from your cell phone if you're parked in your vehicle. So you can find a psychologically safe place for yourself to do that evaluation, get input, and engage. But You know, we can't as leaders just go around telling people, take a mental health assessment and and trust that they're going to do that. If we are not committed enough to do it ourselves and committed enough to be bold, vulnerable leaders and say, hey, I took a mental health assessment. I don't think that I'm above it. Instead of, you know, pushing people to do it, take it and lead by example.
0: That's fantastic advice. Yes. Yes. It really is. And, yeah. it is, it is so, and it seems so logical and simple. Right. Right, John? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'll try. Um, I mean, if I got to I got I to gotta give advice that I can follow. And if I can follow it, it's got to be right in that simple zone. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's get some more advice here. So early in the show, I talked about, you know, eight out of 10 workers, new workers entering industries you know, look for mental health resources. So we have this on the front end. We have younger professionals entering that want this. As you know, we are um, we have some older generations in all male industry, you know, men don't cry, men don't tell their stories. We keep everything bottled up inside. What advice or solutions or ideas or thoughts do you have on various people like that? And how do you approach the older generation? And
2: I think that part of the stigma challenge that we have with the older generation is is two layers first of all we don't talk about our feelings but societally we have a history of not talking about mental illness and suicide we have a history of not telling people when someone dies by suicide and so if john or bob or frank doesn't show up to work on monday and we know that they passed away over the weekend, but we don't know that they died by a suicide because nobody wants to talk about it. It doesn't feel tangible to us. That's just a person that passed away because we don't know that they died by suicide. We don't know the story. And so the first thing for breaking through to our more resistant folks is to share statistics, share that information. So one of the things that I share in some of my um, presentations, these are just Washington State statistics, but I've got some national ones that'll help bear this out as well. First of all, in Washington State, in construction in 2018, we lost six construction workers to on-the-job fatalities. In that same 12-month time period, in Washington State alone, we lost 120. Five of our construction brothers and sisters to suicide. So that statistic alone, you are more likely to die of suicide, like vastly more likely to die by suicide. Another thing from a national perspective, there's two and a half times as many suicides as homicides in the United States every year, two and a half times. So you are two and a half times more likely to die by your own hands than you are to die by someone else's hand. We take time to protect our families, we put security systems, we use situational awareness when we're out in public. But what are we doing to combat the yeah. suicide statistics?
1: I never heard that. I, I never heard that
0: before. Can you say it again? Cause like I think it is so impactful. Like that I never yeah. that's
2: amazing. Yeah. yeah. So in, in 2019, this is reported from the CDC. So this is a, a this is fact here. In the United States, there was nearly two and a half times as many suicides as there were homicides. I'll give you the numbers. There were 47,511 suicides in the United States that year alone. Hmm. That same year, there was 19,141 homicides. So literally speaking, this is not to any sort of you know ad lib I'm not making things up you are two and a half times more likely to die by your own hand in the United States than you are by homicide man so sad and yeah it's mm. it's it's absolutely sh- heart shattering yeah. to me and and I would say yeah. you know to to the folks that are that are more resistant typically speaking those are some of our um, you know prime demographic of those that we that we lose to suicide every year are middle aged white dudes and so when we have resistance from middle aged white dudes that don't want to you know, hear this or they say, oh, rub some dirt in it or mm-hmm. you know, suck it up or we don't talk about our feelings. You know what? Culturally, that's what got us where we're at. And if you look statistically at who we're, we're losing, it's that demographic more than any that is dying by suicide, especially in the construction industry. So, you know, s- statistics are very powerful um, when they can tell us that kind of story. I and
0: mean, I, I don't mean to make a joke of this because I think it's really important, but but do you have the the, the age demographics of the middle aged white dude? Like is that like thirty-five to fifty-five? Yeah, so, that's, that's the age range that I think of.
2: So yeah, it is the fourth leading cause of death among individuals between the ages of thirty-five and forty-four. And then as we get higher in the age brackets, it goes up. As more of a leading cause, I don't have all of the statistics right in front of me, but but quite literally, if you look at the CDC, if you look at any violent death reporting database, whether it's a state one or a national one, it will show you that our our prime demographic that we are losing to suicide is hmm. still middle aged Caucasian males. Hmm. Um, that being said, the pandemic was exceptionally hard on some other demographics, and we haven't seen as much of a increase in the suicide rates in the adult demographics we as we have in the youth demographics since the pandemic. So I would be remiss if I didn't bring that up in a conversation like that because we all have young people in our lives and and we got to look out for them it is a tough tough world for our youth right now and and a lot of upheaval in their worlds and we we demanded a lot of resilience from them but we didn't necessarily equip them with the tools and resources for that and so um we are seeing a marked increase in young female er visits for mental health Hmm. we are seeing a marked increase in suicide rates in the LGBTQ and BIPOC communities as well and and I think that that says a lot about just the upheaval that we have in society right now and and how much tension there is um, so we don't have to engage on all of the upheaval, but we absolutely can make sure that people that we care about have the resources. And and you can do that without engaging in, you know, whether you feel it's a political discussion or whatever the case may be, you can still look out for people and make resources available. And so that's what I encourage is just that transparency of here's resources and please take care of yourself because I care about you.
0: And and to that point, if anyone listening to this, whether you're in construction or not, LGBTQ, and and I apologize if I miss a letter there, but any, anything, call somebody, talk to somebody, please, you know, like, you just. Veterans too, veteran community. Veterans, male, female, age of all, it doesn't matter. Please reach out to somebody. There's enough help around. We can all help each other. We're all humans.
2: And now after July, there is a national hotline available. So you no longer have to memorize all the hotlines. You can just call 988, just like you would call 911, and you will be linked, whether it's to the national resources or a local resource, staffed 24 hours a day by training professionals. It is free. It is confidential. I have used it myself. I have used it for my child. Mm -hmm. And I can attest that uh, those people are there for you and you have no fear of reprisal. It's just literally good people there to help you. And you may as well avail yourself of this service and know that you are, you know, you've got people in your corner. Everyone needs to hear that.
0: We can't echo that enough. If If I can ask one last question from my side of this conversation, what are some things that, you know, as director of safety for a statewide association, what are you telling your members and, and and others for signs to look out for whether i'm on the job site i'm sitting at home with my kids driving in the car you know somebody next to me or well that's probably a bad example but what are the signs to look for
2: yeah i think that most importantly you know people in your circle and you know how they typically behave mm-hmm. so paying attention to what behavior is kind of contrasted with whatever their current behavior is. So things that may shine through are irritability or withdrawal. They're not um, not withdrawal, like drug withdrawal, but they're withdrawing from engagement. They're withdrawing from work. Maybe from a workplace perspective, they're showing up late or they're easily distracted or, or creating a lot of mistakes because their their head doesn't seem to be in the game. Or maybe they're just You know, isolating in the sense that they're not, you know, engaging in conversation on breaks or, you know, making small talk. And so the other thing with with regard to making these kinds of observations, I think it's really important to share that it is clinically proven that if you ask someone if they are considering self-harm, if they're considering suicide, you are not gonna put that idea in their head. And and, and so, so don't be afraid of asking that question because asking that question is throwing them a lifeline. It's giving them an opportunity to say what's on their heart and to get the help that they need. Clinically proven, you're not going to cause someone to die by suicide by asking them if they are having suicidal ideation. It's also clinically proven that most of the folks that are in that level of crisis are willing and and open to help if it's offered. But they're in such a crisis cycle that they're not capable necessarily of always reaching out on their own to to seek that help. So we are doing them a favor by asking the question and then sticking with them for a resolution.
1: Yeah, very well said. Great advice.
2: Yeah, I
1: mean it, it is a topic that touches everyone. I mean, I I think uh, I saw a stat a while ago, a couple months months ago, maybe like one out of every nine construction worker knows someone that has committed suicide. And you think about that, that's some scary shit, man. Hold on, it's horrible, you know. I mean, me personally, I coach youth football and a thirteen year old kid took his life last season. So it's horrible, horrible for the team to go through that. And uh and
2: and you think about on the job site, when we say this is an at-home problem or not a not a workplace problem, you can't tell me that the rest of the people on the job in Washington state, we had three on the job suicides in 2020 in construction alone. You cannot tell me that the rest of those people that work on that job site are not left with an indelible mark and they have Mm -hmm. to show up to that job site every day. Mm -hmm. And they have to see the place where that death took place. They have to contemplate the aftermath. They have all of that trauma and you know, probably a lot of survivor guilt and probably a lot of baggage that they're going to carry for the rest of their lives. So you cannot tell me that mental health and suicide is only a personal problem. It's a societal problem. It's a workplace problem. It's a personal problem. It's a family problem. It's, it's all of those things. And if we don't approach it from all angles, we'll never fix it.
1: When it comes to mental health, it's not like a, like a light switch. You can't, turn it off when you go to work and leave all your problems behind you you bring it with you and the same can be said for you know self care outside of work and then maybe share some thoughts on that that'd be awesome to hear your
2: <laughs> I'm pretty notorious for telling people that self-care is absolutely not isolated to a Calgon bubble bath and a glass of wine or getting a massage or going on a shopping spree, which are the common things that pop in people's minds when we say self-care, right? Go get a massage and, you know, have brunch somewhere and you'll be fine. Self-care is about accountability. Self-care is is about setting goals for yourself. It's about making plans to achieve those goals. Self-care is also about really doing the hard work, the internal work of recognizing what your struggles are and putting the work in to fix them. Self-care is about getting enough rest Self care is about eating properly for yourself, moving your body, those things. It is remarkable how connected our physical health is with our mental health. And so, if we can take care of both at the same time and elevate the importance of mental health to the same stature of physical health, then we start to be able to make reparations in both areas and get better um, kind of exponentially, but also. You know, recognizing that sometimes we don't always have all of the tools and resources we need to take good care of ourselves um, or maybe the expertise to do that. And so it's okay to look at outside sources for guidance on how to take care of yourself, look into training, you know, do again, do a mental health assessment, something like um, mantherapy.org or some of the other ones that are on there that then pair you with resources. So you can actually do the work on your own and you can make those investments in yourself, but it it does, it, it takes effort. And it's not always the romanticized version that we see on TV or social media. And while I'm at it, social media is is uh, and I'm guilty I use social media as well, but it is it is a huge contributing factor to our mental health decline in mm-hmm. in our country, um, in our society as a whole, internationally, because we compare ourselves to other people, and we're only seeing their highlight reel, and we're sitting back, going, "Oh, well, they have a better truck than me. Their house is nicer than mine. You know, their wife makes them lunch every day, or whatever the case may be." And and so we're missing out on celebrating our own goodness because we're so busy looking. And so that is another practice as. Such self-care is to step away from those things that make you feel like crap you know you can still watch um you know videos on tiktok of you know cats and fainting goats and weird stuff (laughs) and entertain yourself (laughs) but you don't have to go through and and look at all these content creators that are perfect and polished and look at yourself and think of yourself as less than you know there's ways to use it and not um, have it be detrimental to your mental health
0: there's a reason that they are so polished, perfect, and it's not reality. <laughs> well, Mandy, I I can't thank you enough for for taking the time out of your busy schedule, as you've mentioned, you know, before, to to meet with us and talk about this because this is truly probably the most important topic that we will continue to address. Yes, um, not only here at the Building PA Podcast, but also in the Keystone Contractor Magazine. So, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um,
1: and thank you. I can't wait to see the best practices. So I'm going yes. to. Yes, that absolutely. Thoroughly. Yes, awesome.
2: <laughs> well, yeah. I appreciate the invite and I appreciate you all being bold leaders in this regard and sharing the message um, and making sure that the folks in your network have access to resources and really just start the process of, like I say, really positive peer pressure <laughs> of really uh, trying to get everybody on board with this really important topic and, and taking action. So thank you so much. Thank you.
0: Thank you for joining the Building PA Podcast. To stay up to date, follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook and visit buildingpapodcast.com to subscribe to upcoming shows. Thanks for listening.